Hello, educators and learners, and welcome to the Homeroom with Sal podcast, brought to you by Khan Academy. We're an educational technology nonprofit dedicated to bringing a world-class education to anyone, anywhere. Homeroom with Sal and Khan Academy Ed Talks are hosted by our founder, Sal Khan, and our chief learning officer, Krista DeServo. I'm neither of those people. I'm David Reinstrom. I'm on the content team, and I'm here to introduce today's show. These shows were first shared as live-streamed videos on our Facebook and YouTube pages, as Sal and Kristen interviewed notable folks from the worlds of education, technology, finance, entertainment, and more. We've taken some of our favorite conversations from the live show and turned them into a podcast. Without further ado, here is the latest episode. And now with that, I'm excited to introduce you to Regina Ross, Khan Academy's Chief People Officer. Hey, Regina. Hi, Sal. I'm glad to be here. So before we jump into questions, I'll remind everyone, whether you're watching on uh, YouTube, Facebook, or I believe we're actually live streaming on LinkedIn today, uh, put your, post your questions. Our team members are going to help surface it to me so that I can get it to Regina. Topic is about leadership, about managing organizations, et cetera, et cetera. But Regina, I always like to start uh, pretty early in people's journey. If you could tell us a little bit about what you were like as a kid, where did you grow up? Did you think you would be a chief people officer one day? Do you even know what that is? Tell us a little bit about what you, yourself as a, as a child. Very interesting question. So I, um, I loved um, and thrived in the academic setting. Uh, I was a nerd, uh, a smart kid, uh, loved school. Um, my father was in the military, so we did travel a bit. Uh, but then uh, we landed in, at home in Montgomery, Alabama, and that's where I went to school, graduated there. Um, I was part of the gifted program throughout elementary school, and I loved math and science. Uh, and so this really led to my journey into engineering. Did you know you knew I was an engineer, right? <laughs> That's why we, one of the reasons why, one of the many reasons <laughs> we definitely connected on, on that. Yeah. Yeah, I love to travel. And let me just tell you the story. So I um, was really, really um, adept at math and science, and I had a, a high school chemistry teacher who says, hey, Regina, you should attend this minority introduction to engineering program, MITE program. It was a two-week uh, introductory program at Auburn University, and that really opened my eyes to the world of engineering because I, I really didn't know what an engineer was. So I was able to explore different disciplines of engineering, and I landed on industrial engineering because I love the intersection of people and processes. So I attended Auburn University in Alabama, didn't want to go too far away from, from home, um, but just, just far enough away. Uh, graduated summa cum laude and uh, started my engineering career. And Sal, I tell you, even though um, you know, I did engineering, continuous process improvement, mostly in manufacturing, um, I did transition into operations leadership, sales leadership. You know, I was a regional logistics manager. I have always had a passion for helping people develop. And maybe it's because of the way that my chemistry teacher took an interest in me and like, hey, you can do more. Um, so that's been my passion for employee engagement, leadership development. And I was eventually tapped on the shoulder. I was an, an operations uh, senior leader uh, at a big box retailer. Um, and I'm like, hey, Regina, we want you to step into HR. And so because of my culture focused leadership, I took the role and I fell in love with HR. I say that I crossed over to the dark side and I haven't looked back. And the thing about HR that I love, Sal, is it really enabled me to focus on connecting talent and culture to the business outcomes. 
one thing you didn't know is when I was a junior in college in, in my engineering, um, pursuing my engineering degree, I wanted to shift majors. I'm like, I want to do something to help people. I was thinking of being in ministry or being a nun, something. And my mom's like, no, you're going to finish your engineering degree. And so it was, you know, me stepping into HR years later, like, okay, I get it. I'm able to help people. I'm able to drive business outcomes and just seeing that connecting um, of my passion and my purpose. I love what I do. Now, there's there's a bunch of really interesting uh, threads there. And just to connect the dots, because obviously there's a lot of young people watching this, probably uh, young men and women watching this, probably trying to figure out, okay, is this an interesting path for me? How do you navigate this? I know in high school, college, everyone has a lot of angst. So like, what am I going to do with my life? And it sounds like you, you found this, this passion for uh, math and science uh, fairly early on. I think it, mm -hmm. it helped that you had other people believe in you. I definitely resonate with, with that part of your journey. And then uh, industrial engineering, which I don't think a lot of people know, but to your point, it's kind of like, how do you optimize a factory? You know, you, mm -hmm. you put, you click, you, you click on a button on Amazon. Now, how does that, how do they figure right. out how to put the, the right thing in the right package and get it to the right place? Uh, process design. So it's pretty broad, uh, you mm -hmm. know, the set of things. And then you went into what you kind of called operations, but that would be more of like, it still is process for people in a lot of ways. It is. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then you went into HR, human resources. And I, and I think this is something, I think I was naive initially when I uh, was coming straight out of college. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go work for a software company. And that means that a software company does nothing but write software. What do all these other people do? <laughs> and, and I've now realized when, when you have an organization, uh, hum, human resources, uh, the, the people function, it's core because it's all about people doing everything. So Absolutely. how do you think about people operations or human resources uh, to someone who was naive like me in, in my early 20s? You know what? That's what it is. And I was so fortunate, Sal, when I started at a particular company, I won't say the name, um, but I started as an operations leader. So this is when I'm leaving my engineering career, going into operations leadership at a um, distribution um, organization. And as a senior uh, leader, I had to do some onboarding. And one of the courses was thinking like an HR manager, like what? You know, I'm not an HR person, but the way that they uh, put it together is that you're not just leading or managing your business processes, you're leading and managing a team of people who make it happen. Um, and I had some great mentors who taught me, Regina, if you take care of the team, they will take care of the business and take care of the client. And so this is why I think I had this culture focused leadership um, mindset and approach that, yeah, I'm an operations leader, I'm an engineering leader, but at the end of the day, it's taking care of the people. And Sal, when I stepped into my first full-time HR leader role, um, it, the, the dots really connected and I saw that potential of really focusing full-time on uh, helping the culture and the people deliver on the business priorities. And I will tell you, the, the Khan Academy job posting that I saw, it really resonated with me. And so I didn't have a background in nonprofit. I didn't have a background um, in the educational industry. So when I saw the job posting, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be a fit, but there was something in that that kept pulling at me. And I'm just going to read this, this verbiage that was from the job description. It said that um, this, this role was to help foster a high performance culture and a great place to work that enables employees to deliver their best work towards attaining Khan Academy's mission while fulfilling their personal aspirations and career ambitions. Drop the mic. That, that was it for me. I was sold. 
no, and that's funny. what I'm doing. That's that's why I'm so excited to be here. And it's not so. I love Khan Academy. I love uh, you know what we do, and and my kids. I use Khan Academy with my kids because even though I'm, I'm an engineer, they struggle with math and science. I'm like, go figure. Um, but I know of the benefit and the beauty of this this product and what we do. Uh, and when I saw this, like the mission, and then you, my, me, and my role in people operations. And actually, this statement that I just read, this is now our people operations team mission statement about really fostering that high performance culture, uh, a great place to work that really does enable employees to deliver their best work. And so I'm just excited to be here. I love what I do. and I love Khan Academy. Now, I think there's a little bit of lesson in there, which is, you know, one, your journey already took a couple of turns. And even in that last stage before you came to Khan Academy, there was a little part of you said, well, I've never worked at a non-for-profit. I wasn't yeah. in education, but this thing really resonated with me. So you were able to kind of not not feel imposter syndrome and say, I'm mm -hmm. going to try it. And, and as you, as we all know, you were, you know, we, we, we were excited. We were excited <laughs> to hire you. Uh, but, I, I, you know, that, that, that reminds me of, uh, I, I could have never guessed that I would have been in this role mm -hmm. either. I remember in business school, business school I went to, they didn't really fail anyone, but if they did fail someone, they give one, twos and threes in a class. And the only class that I got a three in was called social entrepreneurship because no way. I, I was just, I was so cynical about the not-for-profit wow. sector uh, back then. And you know, uh, fate, destiny, whatever irony would have it that this is, you know, I plan on doing this the rest of my life. Uh, mm -hmm. now. So uh, I think everyone's life takes these twists and turns. I am curious, and I always like to get into the head every now and then, I, you know, I or pretty commonly, I meet people, teenagers, or people early in their careers, and there's so much uncertainty of what they want to do with their mm -hmm. life. If you could go back in time, or at least to send a message back in time to 20-year-old Regina, or 30-year-old uh, Regina, uh, what what would you tell them? Yes, and I'm glad you asked that question, because I have spoken to like my kids, you know, and other young people that I'm, you know, mentoring and, and trying to help. So, so my tips, one would be to try different experiences and versus, you know, just sticking with only one thing and only doing what you know well. So I've been in engineering, I've been in operations leadership, I've been in transportation, I've done sales leadership. I'm like, I don't like that. I don't want to do a sales leadership. Um, but it helped me to understand what I liked and what I didn't like, what I was good at, what I wasn't good at. The second thing I would say is build and leverage a really strong support network. I call it a personal board of directors. So you have mentors, sponsors, advisors. Um, my career, I wouldn't be where I am were it not for like my chemistry teacher who I'm still in touch with, um, you know, people who taught me strategic planning, people who taught me the, the unwritten rules of, of the road um, in every corporation that I've been at. And so leverage that support network. One thing specifically for women is that we tend to build the relationships, uh, but according to How Women Rise by uh, Sally Helgeson, is that we don't leverage those. We think it's you know not good for us to reach out and ask for help. So we've got to build our network, leverage the network. Um, I would say another tip or lesson learned um, throughout my career is excel at the right things so I can't be perfect at everything. I know that I'm good at, you know, uh, project management and some things. I'm not so good at, uh, you know, maybe email management. And so it's about excelling at the right things, focus on what matters most. So particularly when you go into an organization, you're building your career, find out what's really important. I've seen um, other women and I myself have fallen into the trap of sometimes just being heads down and just trying to get a lot of work done. 
um, and you burn the candle at both ends and you're trying to do a lot of work, but you're not focusing on what really matters the most. Another tip uh, is know your worth and advocate for yourself. Um, this is something specifically for women. And there's a lot of studies, uh, but one in particular is Women in the Workplace by McKinsey and Lean In, uh, where there's just a gap, right? And this is why we're, we're celebrating on International Women's Day, you know, hashtag break the bias. Um, so know your worth, advocate for yourself. Uh, typically, uh, men will negotiate when it comes to salary time or you know for promotions and women we don't and so it's just really important to make sure that you know what it is that you want that you advocate for yourself you prepare yourself for uh, for that journey and for those uh, greater uh, things and this this one sal is so important i think this last one is really defining success on your own terms uh, versus uh you know just just avoid the comparison trap because my journey may be very different than someone else's journey and that's okay um, i have taken a lot of twists and turns in my career and in my development i wasn't really focused on chasing the title or the promotion or you know making this move here it was about me and my experiences my uh, total quality of life and so i'm i'm thankful and grateful for where i landed um, but i tell you there are times where i look to the left and look to the right like oh I should be at this level by now or this person is doing that and i just really had to you know hey let me define success for myself um one thing i would say for younger people is that they think they've got to have it all mapped out early on and you really don't my kids struggled with this they were uh, stressed out because maybe in um, as a junior in high school they didn't know exactly what colleges they were going to go to and what they wanted to major in this is a tool that i found uh, maybe five or six years ago but it's a Japanese concept called Ikigai, a Japanese term that means reason for being. And I wish I had this years ago, but what it does in this Ikigai, it's like a Venn diagram where you're looking to um, find that intersection between what you love doing, what the world needs, what you're good at, and then what you can be paid for. And so when you find that intersection, that's that sweet spot or that Ikigai, your reason for being, uh, where like, okay, I'm, I'm doing what I love. I'm doing what I can be paid for, you know, because some people want to do um, a certain career, but then they, they can't make a living at it. And so if you can find that sweet spot, you are golden. Even if you can't find that sweet spot in one job, and this will be the last thing I'll say, uh, Sal, and turn it back over to you. One thing I learned from um, one of my, my managers when I was a young engineer was Regina. Uh, you may not find everything that you need and get everything you need out of this job, so make sure that you have other outlets for your talents, for your interests, for your passions. And this is where, you know, you get into volunteering or you do some things on the side that are really that fuel your passion so that you're not getting frustrated because you expect to get everything out of that one job or out of that first job. Um, and then you realize that you're not getting everything that you want. So those would be my lessons to the younger Regina. I, I wish I would have known these things years and years ago. I, I love it, uh, and I mean, I'm, I'm just to summarize it because I, I think you could write a book about this, Regina. You know, personal <laughs> board of directors, but don't just have them; leverage them. Yes. Um, advocate for yourself. I do have a follow-up question about that because I think that's an interesting thing for a lot for a lot of folks, men and women. But to your point, it, it might be even a bigger tension for some women. But advocate for yourselves. Uh, uh, find do things sustainably so you don't burn on both ends. Mm -hmm. 
find your own swim lane. That's one I strongly, strongly believe in. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really happy on my career side until I had my own. Now I have almost, I have a very, my own swim lane. I was in a very competitive swim lane before as a hedge fund analyst. And no matter how much you succeed there, when you define yourself by um, comparison in that swim lane, you're, you're, you're just never going to be, never That's going right. to be happy. So I, I love that swim lane. And that last piece is, I, I often give a version of that to a lot of young people is just, yeah, make sure you always have room for your passions. No mm -hmm. one job is going to be able to uh, check right. all of the boxes. And so you're kind of overloading it and then setting it, making it unsustainable if you project That's everything, right. if you project on, on everything onto it. What well, one question, you know, this is something that I've struggled with in, in my own career. Um, and you, you, you know, you mentioned this is especially important for a lot of young women is to advocate for yourself. And it's, it's often hard when you're in the moment to say, how hard do I advocate for myself? Mm -hmm. How hardball do I play? Because there yeah. is, there is a point where if you play too hardball, people say, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, you know, like, um, and, and, you know, I, I've, I've often seen this even at Khan Academy, like at Khan Academy, as you know, we take great pains that we say, look, if someone's going to be doing a job at a certain level, this is what we're going to pay them. And mm -hmm. we have gotten in a situation where, you know, someone's told us their comp expectation is X and we're like, well, this job, we're going to pay you more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, you know, we're not negotiating. We actually, we're going to try to pay everyone what's fair. Cause even though you could probably get away in the short term with paying someone less, if they thought that that's what they were worth at some point, they're going to ask their friends, they're going to realize mm -hmm. that they were being that's undercompensated. Right. Um, and even the people who are going to be paid more for that same job are like, wait, this isn't a fair place. Maybe I'm also getting taken advantage mm -hmm. somehow. So as an organization, it's, I think, super makes sense to pay. If people are doing the same level, same performance, same job, um, pay them pay them the same and be transparent about it. But, you know, sometimes we have had situations where people are like, well, I, I need to negotiate harder. And, and we're, we're trying to be very transparent, saying, no, mm -hmm. we, we literally give the same pay. So we're... We don't want to be based on negotiation. So how, what advice do you have to someone where it's like they want to negotiate, they, they want to make sure they're not taking advantage of, which I completely mm -hmm. agree, but also there could be situations where it, 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 might, it might be less productive. Yeah, I, I would say one, um, do your research. So you know, be well-informed because you may be asking for um, an, uh, a number that's just really unrealistic. So you know, do your research, be informed, and then know for yourself like what is... Um, the non-negotiable. What are you willing to? And, and because that puts you in the power of choice. So you're not you're not um, like oh they they oh they only gave me this and I had to accept this. And I coach a lot of, of young women. Like no, you're not having to accept this. You need to make a choice. Are you choosing to accept it or are you not? And so and maybe you want this number and your your bare minimum is like you know what I think I could be satisfied here. Then you make that decision of, of I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to be satisfied here or I'm going to push for here. And if I don't get this level, then I'm willing to walk. But you've got to have that internal dialogue and be very clear about what your limits are, what your non-negotiables are and stand in that power of choice. So you're not feeling like they did this to me or they made me like, no, that no, <laughs> you have a choice. You always have a choice. Either you accept it or you don't. Right. Yeah, no, it's it's really powerful. I think I think you know I think throughout life, whether it's negotiating comp, but just everything in life, um, it's it is this. I, I still find this tension of of how much do I advocate, how, how versus how much do I accept, or you know, it it is it is it is hard tension. But I think the way I think being informed is the right thing. You know, ask as many Absolutely. questions, get zero in, and then know what you really want. 
Uh, know That's what right. you really want and deserve. Don't go into something if you're feeling kind of bad about it on day one. Exactly. Like, like, I think I'm getting, a, I'm underselling myself. That's not mm -hmm. going to uh, set, set anyone up for success. And I'll say on the organizational side, mm -hmm. you know, this is what we try to do. Um, and, you know, Regina, you and I have a lot of conversations about this. How do mm -hmm. we make comp more transparent That's so we right. can give people the confidence that, because mm -hmm. the worst thing you want is to be in an organization or an environment where you're, you're, you're wondering all the time. Mm -hmm. Of like, yeah. well, is, is, was yeah. this right? Yeah, Am I being, being taken advantage of? That's right. Yeah, and, exactly. and you want to look at the total picture of not just your base salary, but your overall rewards. You know, your um, time off, your benefits, your the quality of life. You know, the type of environment. I have been in so many environments, Sal, where we uh, describe it as the golden handcuffs. Where yeah, I'm getting a, a big salary, you know, a lot of stock and all that, but it's a toxic environment. And so you got to look at success for you in terms of like total rewards, life experience, quality of life, all of that, and make the right decision for you. Oh, make, makes a ton of, ton of sense. Well, we have, we have uh, some, some questions uh, going on here. So th I think this is a question that a lot of people are wondering. This is from Stephanie on social media. With the pandemic having gone on two years now, what advice would you give to people who are feeling burned out in their job, career, etc.? Yeah. I, I really like uh, Sal. Thank you, Stephanie, for that that question. Um, this this whole um, ikigai exercise, like really taking that time to be you know introspective of what do I really want? What am I passionate about? What what do I feel my purpose is? Am I um, you know in a space where I can achieve that? And if not, then evaluate. Do I need to make some changes? Uh, sometimes it may need to be a job shift. Sometimes it may need to be putting some boundaries, um, you know, in your personal life. Um, but I, I, and we just don't even know, we think this year is going to be a great year. And we see, you know, still just more um, emotional trauma that we're all having to deal with, like evaluate what you need and then determine what steps actionably that you can take uh, to get what you need, whether it's boundaries, whether it's getting additional help, whether it's doing something that uh, feeds your passion and volunteering, because the answer may look very different from you, Stephanie, than someone else. No, that's that's great advice. And, and Regina, you know this, these these home rooms, especially when I talk to really interesting guests like you, go way faster than I ever uh, I know. Uh, expected. <laughs> but we're already running low on time. But maybe maybe just you know if you could kind of uh, take us out with uh, you heard Stephanie's question. I think at all stages of people's careers, mm -hmm. there's this like, am I doing the right thing? Yes, all jobs mm -hmm. have certain things that you know, you're not super pumped about, but it has other things that are good. How have you navigated it? When do you know it's time to switch versus time mm -hmm. to just perceive what you're doing differently or try to tweak what you're doing within the job or any mm -hmm. other advice that you have for uh, young professionals or, or women everywhere? Yeah. Um, one, so a couple of things. One is have your own like personal mission statement. This is something that I learned from seven habits of highly effective people, like have my own personal mission statement and then continually evaluate where am I? Am I tracking towards that or am I not? Is the, the job that I'm doing, the role that I'm serving, the way that I'm living, is it in alignment with that mission statement? Am I moving towards my purpose or am I not? Sometimes we have detours and I just say evaluate, you know, the pluses and the deltas. And in your current situation, you know, do the pluses outweigh the deltas? All right. Or vice versa, if the deltas or the negatives outweigh the pluses, then it may be time for a change. And you um, are the only person who can determine that. There's a, a, a great person, Dr. Kim says, if you always do what you've always done, 
then you'll always get what you've always got and only you can determine if that is enough. So this is what I would leave you with. Evaluate where you're going. Is it enough? And if it's not, make a change. I love that. If you could send me that quote, there's, it's obviously such a obviously true quote, but there's something about the phrasing that is so, it's very poignant. Well, well, Regina, thank you so much for taking the time out. Uh, I think as everyone can tell, uh, I feel blessed and Khan Academy is blessed to have you as our chief people officer. And I look forward to going on this journey together, both helping support the team at Khan Academy in our journey to hopefully support tens or hundreds of millions of people around the world, uh, but also be able to do things like this and share your wisdom with you know so many other people on, on the planet. Thank you, Sal. Thanks, I'm so glad to be here. If you want to hear more of Homeroom with Sal or Khan Academy Ed Talks, subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend. If you want to support the work we do here at Khan Academy, visit khanacademy.org slash donate. We're a nonprofit, and we appreciate your financial support in making sure that our materials can reach as many learners as possible. That's khanacademy.org slash donate. That's our podcast, folks. Your hosts are Sal Khan and Kristen DeCerbo. This show is produced by our wonderful Khan Academy team, Kevin Dangor, Stephanie Yamkovenko, Dan Tu, Irene Wang, Anthony Nelson, Felipe Escamilla, Irene Chen, and me, David Reinstrom. Our intro theme is Time Flux by Revolution Void, and our outro theme is Onward by Poddington Bear.